Rocket skis. Speed thrills and fun. See, with these, we'll taste death, live life. Hold on there a minute, little buddy boy. You use rocket skis on my slopes, and the only thing you, you, and you gonna be tasting is my foot in your face. Do you read me? Like a comic book. Like a biker magazine. Like Vogue. Son, did anybody ever tell you you're a few sandwiches short of a picnic? Walter PPK, 7.65 millimeter. Only three men I know use such a gun. I believe I've killed two of them. Lucky me. I think not. James Bond. Charming, sophisticated secret agent. <laughs> Shaken, but not disturbed. <laughs> Guys are here with Matt Howell, and this week on the first run, we shout Shazam! And The Rock's passion project, Black Adam, appears in a burst of lightning, ready for our review. Then we make one last trip to the quick stop with Clerks 3. Our werewolf marathon continues with the barely relevant Wolfen. We'll break down the physical media streaming and straight to DVD picks of the week. Then we'll wrap up the show with our five favorite Kevin Smith characters. Let's get this thing started with. Black Adam. I told you stop killing people. They look alive to me. Because I saved them. Well, that's why I waited until you were there. I got the information I needed. No one died. I did it your way. He does have a point. I know it got lost in all the confusion, but we still have some issues to settle here. There are only heroes and there are villains. You think yourself a hero? but you would let these criminals go free. Heroes don't kill people. Well, I do. Oh, Matt, the balance of power has shifted in the DCEU. Mm-hmm. Though now it's called just the DCU. And yeah. we can talk a little bit about that if you want at the end of this discussion. But The Rock is here. Black Adam is here. It's Dwayne Johnson's passion project, Matt, for... What, 10, 15 years, allegedly, he's been wanting to make this film? Mm-hmm. And it's finally here. Supposedly, the course redirection, the course correction for the DCEU begins with Black Adam. What is it all about? A An ancient hero of a fictional land called, and I've already forgotten its name. What's it? Vamp, it's, help it's, me out here. Kondok. Yes, thank you. Kondok um, is awakened from his centuries-long, millennia-long slumber um, when he's faced with uh, someone searching for, like, a mystical crown that can summon demons or some shit. Uh, He comes back and he starts kicking some ass in Kondok. But the Justice Society comes to stop him. Yes. Matt, I cannot tell you how long I have waited to see Dr. Fate, one of my favorite heroes on the big screen. And I will say, I was not disappointed. Mm -mm. I rather enjoyed Pierce Bronson's Dr. Fate. I was, I love the costume design of it. 
I loved his portrayal of the character. I do get the feeling that he agreed to do this only if he was guaranteed he would only have to do one film. Sure. But I got to tell you, my man looks good. I mean, that perfectly clothed hair, that goatee. I, I, I want to tell you, I want Pierce to get his Never Say Never Again film. You know, his like Connery did that film when he was in his late fifties, right? Yeah, to yeah. Uh, come back as James Bond, I want Pierce to do that as well. But like, set it in the fifties, right? Let's do this, man, right? <laughs> it actually made me nostalgic for his Bond run. I now want to rewatch his Bond films after seeing him here as Doctor Fate. Clearly, for me, the standout on this in this film was yeah. seeing the Good Doctor on the big screen. Yeah, looked fantastic. I had a blast with him. And I think that's all I really have to say about Black Adam. <laughs> that's it. Review over. <laughs> so, Matt, Dwayne Johnson is known as Franchise Viagra, right? That's sure. his, his moniker. I guess it was populated by uh, SNL okay. a few years ago. Sure. When he comes in, he kind of revitalizes everything. Like, you know, in G.I. Joe, that sequel, that yeah. that really helps that series take off. Made it the, the tentpole that it is today. Oh, absolutely. So... And added some real kind of quality and um, what's the word? Not believability, but just a sense of, I don't know, respectability Mm. to the Fast and Furious franchise. Which is amazing. (laughs) Does it continue here? Does Dwayne Johnson's feature here as Black Adam help relaunch and revitalize the DCEU? So we've discussed on the show several times that we're not convinced. The two of us are a pair that are not convinced that Dwayne The Rock Johnson can be the temple, the focus of a film. He doesn't have Mm -hmm. the charisma of your Arnold Schwarzeneggers, right? I would even suggest he doesn't have the charisma of a Sylvester Stallone in his prime kind of thing. Um, I think he does really well in an ensemble cast, as evidenced by the Fast and the Furious films, Jumanji, but anything that he is, you know, asked to kind of lead and kind of hold up on his own, not so great. See San Andreas, uh, Rampage, that thing with the tower that I've already forgotten its name. Um, I'm going to guess Skyscraper. I sure. think that's, I'm going to, I'm going to roll with that. I'm yeah. not even sure myself. Yeah. And I think this kind of falls into, the same thing here. I like Dwayne Johnson as from what little I know of him. Seems like an okay guy. This is obviously something he cares very deeply about, but he, I don't really see what he's bringing to the table for the DCU. I think I'm with you. The best part of this is Brosnan classing up the joint as a wicked cool Dr. Fate and everything else is just kind of middling. Now I will say this. I don't think it's as bad as like the critics would leave you or the scores would lead you to believe but it's not great but it's not bad no it, it's it's fine it's standard superhero fare that mm-hmm. somehow managed to i think even to mute dwayne johnson in its yeah. presentation it's supposed to be his big franchise this is his big thing now where he's the lead He's going to be a major player in the DCEU now. This is like a, a big seismic shift in all of that stuff. Right. And if that's the case, woof, we are in rough shape. <laughs> I got to tell you, there was really, I think, all right. There are some interesting ideas in this film. There's the benevolent dictator idea, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think would have been interesting to run down. 
the sense of or what the uh, you know the the impacts of imperialism maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. honor revenge it's held mostly by a cast of color which i think is interesting but we do basically nothing with any of this stuff yeah it ends up turning out to be just your standard typical kind of superhero movie yeah. and it is just uneventful I wonder, I'm going back and forth in this, outside of its script, which is at times is, pardon the pun, rock dumb. Uh, and some of the jokes are, eh, okay. I, I wonder, it's it's why we call it Sarah's issue. So mm-hmm. he's the director of this movie. He directed Orphan, a film I love. He directed House of Wax, which is a not bad little horror film there, that remake of the House of Wax, even with though Paris Hilton features yeah. it. Yeah. But it's actually still pretty damn entertaining. But then he's also turned out a handful of underwhelming, I'm going to say at best, Liam Neeson thrillers. And they are, I think almost every one of them are atrocious. They did Unknown, Nonstop, Run All Night, all bad. The Commuter, not good. Yeah, yeah. And he did Jungle Cruise, which I have not seen, right. which I'm assuming is maybe how Dwayne kind of got this done. You saw yeah. Jungle Cruise, I right? Isn't it? I, actually, oh. I haven't, have not seen Jungle Cruise. It is on All Disney right. Plus, but I have not checked it out. Now I've heard that's reasonably entertaining, mm-hmm. but outside of that, the man's over doesn't exactly fill me with confidence. Right, I agree. And I think that's what it is here. It's a technically proficient film, but it's mostly lifeless, which is dis- disappointing to me. Yeah, I mean. The thing that makes me bang my head against the wall with the DCEU, now the DCU, um, is that they don't seem to learn the lessons that they should be learning from their own films and the films, the criticisms that are leveled against Marvel, right? Now, I do know mm-hmm. that they try with some of their going out on a limb for allowing directors to kind of put their own stamp on thing. But sometimes that is not necessarily successful in the product. And it makes you wonder if maybe you need a, ter- uh, you know, a strong hand, but I think this is just a prime example of the entire events of this take place over 24 hours. It feels so small. Like mm. there's really nothing going on outside of con And like, I honestly felt like if they had just, opened up the world a little bit more, gave it a little bit more stakes. It would have really brought a lot to this film, but it just, it just, it's so, it's like, it's in a little box and like they try and keep everything and they try and hit these little beats, you know, it's like, okay, here's big action set piece here. We introduce some characters, next big action set piece. And it's just like one after the other, you can just lay it all up. It's like watching an early Marvel movie. Like, like it's like watching the incredible Hulk, like all over again. And it, it just, we've kind of moved past that. You're going to have to come to the table with a lot more, you know, to make a superhero movie. That's interesting because we've been watching this kind of stuff for 15 years now. And we know what it's great or really good, what that looks like. And we know what middling looks like. And you just can't get away with that. Yeah. It feels at times like a two hour opening shot, opening sequence for a much larger, better film. It does. And it's just it's too bad with that. You're you're entirely right. I think giving a more global feel may have helped, or just digging more into. It. I think one of the big challenges I have too is that Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam he acclimates entirely too fast yeah. to his new world. Yeah, I mean you could have spent like a twenty minutes or a half hour on him just kind of figuring stuff out 
what's happening, where he is, and all that other stuff. I think how they play out the origins for mm-hmm. the character, I think is interesting. Yeah. I think it's a fun idea. Yeah. I liked how they did that. But again, like I said, he just it, he comes around too fast and turns into The Rock or Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Within like a span of like six minutes. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, it just left me lacking. I don't know how you're able to, well, at one point, probably five, six years ago, when we first started seeing Dwayne Johnson, maybe longer at this point, I was talking about his kind of off the charts, charts kind of uh, uh, charisma. Mm-hmm. And he still has that, but somehow still, it just doesn't work here. I need him to 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 dig into depths that are darker, dig into mm-hmm. more pain, more grief. And he shifts from this guy who's kind of lost everything and he's going to save his his land. And he's winking and nodding and doing his eyebrow thing, you know, yeah. within minutes. And it yeah. just, it doesn't really land with me at all. And I'll say too, one thing that has turned into me to be a big red flag for any movie is the utilization of any straight Led Zeppelin song. <laughs> yeah. If I see that, even mm-hmm. in a trailer, Mm-hmm. I know I'm gonna I'm watching I'm gonna see a bad movie. I know I am. With and one exception. It, what's that? Thor Ragnarok. With the immigrant Did they song. actually use Yeah, they um, used the full on immigrant song in the opening shot when he's fighting Haster. Alright. But I think too it's it makes a little more sense there. Sure. Because of the the, the, the Viking the, thing, yeah. Yeah, the whole Nor Nord I'm gonna say it again, Nordish. <laughs> Nordish. <laughs> Uh, yeah anyway but that makes more sense yeah but you know does. if you want to do zeppelin song do it like girl of dragon tattoo did that mm-hmm. trent reznor you know uh karen yeah. o cover yeah um whatever i see that kind of stuff now and i'm like oh this is this isn't gonna be good this yeah. isn't gonna be good yeah it's, it's, i mean it's lazy to me i think is my problem it is it is and i think i think really you know Dwayne Johnson has undeniable charisma, but what I think we're finding out is that it's very shallow. It's very one note. And I think Mm. if you have a, if you have a character like this, who literally is like, I kill people, I'm 5,000 years old. There is so much more you could do with that. I mean, honestly, if Shazam had shown up, I would have been happy with it. Um, or at least it yeah. could have brought some levity to the whole thing. I'm interested to see how those play out because Shazam is still probably my favorite of the DC films. At some point, they're supposed to fight, I guess, and get yeah. intertwined in some capacity. And then eventually, then it's going to be like a Black Adam Superman thing. Yeah. So let's transition into that. Okay. One thing that elevates my letter grade on this, though I haven't given it yet, <laughs> in Black Adam is mm. Rosden's Dr. Fate. Yeah. Which again, highlight of the movie. Yep. Even like the the blue cape, but it's got the gold inlay or something mm-hmm. on the inside of it. Just perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I have no notes for Dr. Fate. No in notes. This film. <laughs> Wonderful. The only problem is that we're not going to likely see Kent Nelson again in a future film. Yeah, Maybe there'll be a different true. Dr. Fate. Hopefully they don't do that god-awful, was it, 90s version where the helmet's melted down into a dagger and the guy's got like a tattoo of the Ankh or whatever. It's just, just a bad, bad series. <laughs> I want, a, I want a, doc, a real Dr. Fate. But is the teaser, and I think we can just talk about it because it's all over yeah. the internets now. Yeah, yeah, Mid-credits yeah. teaser after the you know super special credits is Cable returns mm-hmm. as Superman. Mm-hmm. And he posted on Instagram that this is just a teaser of things to come, and he's very excited to be back. Supposedly, Dwayne Johnson and his crew had a lot to do with getting Cable back, which okay. is, is true. Great. I'm very happy about it. I think Cable's been a solid Superman who's been hampered yeah. by some bad movies. Yep. And uh, if he gets to do his Christopher Reeve take, uh, meaning 
a more traditional Superman character instead of the yeah. morose, constantly tortured Superman, right. I will be very excited. I think we're in good shape because of the color mm-hmm. of his Superman costume. was not muted. It wasn't dulled. We yeah. had some nice bright blue, some nice bright red and yellow. I was very happy about that. What are your thoughts, Matt, on the return of Cable as Superman? I mean, coming from a guy who really loved No Way Home, like it just seemed very desperation fan servicey thing. Like I really, I like Henry Cable. I think he has the capability to give us the Superman that I think we want and we deserve. And I'm glad they're going to give him another chance. But I think this is kind of like put up or shut up time for the DCU. If they screwed that up, like they might as well just shut the doors, like put it to bed for a decade and then come back and revisit it. Because if you can't, if you mess this up again with him, like I I don't see how you can recover from that. Well, I feel much better now given the announcement that came out today, the date we're recording this show. What is it? I haven't heard it. Oh, you haven't. I have not. Peter Safran and James Gunn have been tapped to head up DC films. Okay. And television. All the DC projects that's gone from DCEU to now just DC Universe. Right. And Gunn is helming the creative side of everything. Okay. And Safran will be handing the finances. Okay. And I know Gunn has a penchant for the ridiculous and the violent. Yeah. uh, And the profane. Yes. But... Given some of the stuff we saw on that Peacemaker show. Which is great. And given Gunn's reverence for comic book characters generally outside of that super film, which is just... Something else. Prepare yourself if you ever go to watch that thing. Yeah. I'm very excited. I think Gunn, at the at least a creative helm, mm-hmm. will find the right director and deliver the Superman movie I've been waiting for since, what, 1981? Yeah. 82 when yeah. Superman 2 came out. Yeah. I mean, I, that gives me a glimmer of hope. I mean, I don't think his Suicide Squad was great. It had a lot of flaws to it, but Peacemaker was fantastic. Still entertaining. It was entertaining, but it still wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. It was still not mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy for me, kind of yeah. level of entertainment and enjoyment. But Peacemaker was fantastic. I loved the Peacemaker show. So, you know what? Maybe if he's given more free reign, maybe if he's, you know, doesn't get a lot of studio meddling. I'm not confident that Warner Brothers can keep their hands off of it, but maybe they can. Um, Maybe this is a sign of good things to come. Uh, We'll see what Batman, what kind of Batman we'll get. If with somebody who's into the profane and violent, uh, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, supposedly they announced, too, that the Batman sequel will not be landing until 2025. Okay. But they're not going to interfere with that. The Batman is Batman. It's still separate. That's a separate thing. Yeah. Okay. So we'll uh, theoretically get our own, a different Batman in DCU. Well, yeah. Well, Affleck Batman is in the Flash movie if that ever comes out. Right. And that's supposed to be the swan song for Affleck. Okay. He said he was very excited about, happy about how that went. And he was very happy that that's how he got to go out as the character. Okay. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know. Yeah. It's, still, it's all still very early. They signed a four-year deal. So Gunn will be at the helm creatively for four years. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, you but can't I'm have cautiously optimistic for the first time in a long time. You can't have DCU without having Batman. That's just, um, that's not allowed. So we'll just have to see what they come up with. Yeah. And then when Discovery ends up selling Warner Brothers off to 
Apple or Hulu or whatever. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon, then they fire everybody within, you know, nine to ten months. We'll be starting all over all starting over all over again. So we'll see how it goes. You know what, Chris? I'm a big Marvel fanboy. I've been generally happy with what they've done with my preferred comics universe, but at this point, I really hope this works out for you because as as your friend, I want you to see what you want up on up on the big screen. Yeah, I mean I got Doctor Fate. Now I'm at, I want there's two things I want. I want a Jack Knight Starman movie or series like on HBO, yeah. which is not going to happen because yeah. they have that Star Girl show. I get that, but that's my dream. And the other is a Spectre horror film. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, I would like to see a Spectre film for sure. I would love, I still would love for them and they'll they'll never have the balls to do it, but to do like a series of Elseworlds films and like Mm. you could do just like those contained runs of those classic stories and just like treat them outside of continuity. I mean, you could get red sun, you could get kingdom come, you could get, you could even do dark Knight returns, just do a straight up dark Knight returns. And that would be the way to do it, but they'll never do it. And it makes me sad. You could, I think you could hopefully bring back Aflac for dark Knight returns. That Mm. would be, I think pretty good. Yeah. And they've done a bunch of the animated films have, covered the elseworld stories though i i, I haven't seen them so yeah, they did got the them by gaslight i think they did red sun too they did i haven't watched it but they did okay it's not the same though you're it's right it's not uh black adam matt gets a c for me I elevated just because of dr fate and superman yeah see i wow this is surprising i'm actually gonna give it a c plus i you know i think when it hits it hits it's it was fun enough i didn't hate it um so, yeah, C-plus film. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. If you to see Black Adam, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Are you ready to talk some Clerks 3? Yeah, Are you okay I am. With that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead, then, Matt, and jump into that goodness. As they say... Snoochie boochies! All right. Let's hear a clip from Clerks 3. What's the movie going to be about? Mm, it's going to be about an hour and a half. I hate long movies. It's about him working here. Wow, meta. I've never seen a whole movie set in a convenience store before. Right? Thank you. I'm going to fill the script with all the weird me and Dante have ever said or seen around here over the years. Oh, you should put in that stuff you used to say about the Death Star contractors. Get sued by Disney? That. Besides, I want this movie to be about other movies. I want it to be about me. It's my flick, so I want to write about the things that I do. Like, um, like how we play hockey on the rooftop. I've never seen that done in a movie or a TV show, even though it's just practical. <laughs> Remember that fight where I hit you in the face with the bread? Oh, that could be a scene. <laughs> or the time I spit water on that old guy. That's like the <gasps> opening scene. Ooh, I got an idea. Maybe Jane, Silent Bob could be characters. That is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. So I didn't realize when I pulled this clip that it's an edited version of the clip. There's no profanity in it whatsoever. That's why it sounds so weird and choppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we like to keep it clean here. This is our Sunday church special episode of the first run. Mm. And this is our spooky episode, Matt, too. Yeah. This is our Halloween show. This episode will drop a couple days before Halloween. Wow. All right. Maybe I'll have to, I'll have to drop in some like Halloween ambient music. That might be kind of fun. <laughs> Either way. Clerks 3, Matt. I can't remember the last time I was more excited and terrified of a movie uh, than this one. And so Smith is this new thing, Matt, right? Where he, he goes around and he does his tours or he releases his films through Fathom Events type of a thing now. He doesn't really go the traditional theatrical route. Right. 
Um, this seems to be more financially lucrative for him, and it helps him actually raise the money to make the money to make the movies he wants to make, mm-hmm. which is good for him. I'm glad yeah. that you can do that, and it allows him to stick his family in all of his movies, which is fine. <laughs> I, I, listen, I would probably do the same damn thing. So yeah. who am I to say? Yeah, the man's living his dream. So the Jay and Silent Bob re- reboot, Matt, is what's the word I'm looking for? Crap, that's what the word is. <laughs> it's not good. It's very disappointing. <laughs> And I was a little cautiously pessimistic about walking into Clerks 3, where we're going to tie in, finish up the story of Clerks, Dante, Randall, Jay, Silent Bob. Basically, everybody comes back, including people from the original film, believe it or not. Uh, even even uh, uh, Marilyn uh, Gigliotti, who plays Victoria, mm-hmm. his, first, his girlfriend in the first film. Right? right. Well, we see... Uh, everybody actually kind of shows up who hasn't already passed on, basically. Yeah. yeah. I think Caitlin Bree, the actress who played her, she passed about, what, 10 years ago now? It's been okay. a lot. So, Matt, I guess my question for you. Let me, I'm sorry, let's set up. I got to tell you everybody what it's about first, right? It's yes. my turn? Yes. Okay. Yes. If you remember from Clerks 2, Dante and Randall decided to go in together and buy and reopen the convenience store. And so, and he's met, and Dante's met Rosario Dawson, and she's pregnant, so he has to leave his fiance. And they, Rosario's supposedly only available to them for like a day. So sad things happen to Rosario's character and <laughs> his child. Right. They basically killed off screen like a couple years previous by a drunk driver. And Randall, they're in the they're in the the convenience store, has a, a massive heart attack, the Widowmaker, as they call it. And he decides, he doesn't die, but they decide he's going to make a movie about his life at the convenience store. And this is the movie about that movie being made. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Smith pulling from real life stuff because yep. he actually had that same heart attack and almost died. And now he reunites the cast and the characters that us view askew universe heads have such a, I think, still deep passion and love for. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, I guess my question for you, Clerks 3, can you go home again? Weirdly, yes. So I think we need to level set. So I think as late stage Gen Xers, you and I are both big fans of the original Clerks. They held a mm-hmm. special place in our heart as part Absolutely. of our formative movie watching uh, experience and fomenting the love of that kind of film. And I think and we I want to say ahead. that, too. I want to add to that is this was at a time prior to streaming, yeah. right? And it only played in a bunch of. It wasn't, didn't I think it played in a lot of theaters, but not a, a few theaters, but not a lot. Yeah. And I remember you, you would hear about this movie, you know, through the grapevine. You had to track down a copy of it on VHS, mm-hmm. and like that's the way things were back then. Yeah. So it added an air, uh, this kind of mystique about it. also too how raunchy and subversive it was too at the yeah. time. You know, yeah. there's just it had a lot going for us when it came out. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think uh, we're both fans of Clerks 2. I think we think it's yes. an unfairly maligned movie. It's better than people give it credit for. And honestly, I was with you. I was in that same camp. I was cautiously optimistic, but I was like, man, I really hope he does not screw up the landing on this thing. Like, I hope he doesn't go back to the well one too many times. Mm. And you know what? I can say 
for the first act of this, I was really enjoying myself. It's pretty funny. It's got a lot of meta commentary. It kind of gives you a lot of in-jokes for people who really like this stuff like we do. And I was having a good time with it. I think in the second act, it starts to maybe drag a little bit. And it kind of dips in quality. But then by the time it wraps up, I was strangely moved by this thing. And I was like really mm. emotionally invested in it. And ultimately, I think Smith is very successful in kind of giving you an emotional connection as he says goodbye to the the characters and the actors who really kicked off his career and gave him everything that he has. So, you know what? I thought it was a fitting swan song, a fitting eulogy to these kind of characters. And like I said, it was by the end, it was I was touched. My cold, dead heart was touched a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I agree with you entirely. I think it's just the best thing he's done in... Oh, good God. I'm looking at it right now on his filmography. And we're talking 15 years, maybe? What was, I mean, what was the last one? What's I would be curious to see what is the last good thing that he did. For me, I would say Zach and Mary make a porno. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at, too. 2008. Now, I enjoy Cop Out. I think that one's unfairly maligned as mm-hmm. well. But... Then you have Red State, which is, I think, interesting. I can see what it's going for. Not necessarily successful. successful. Yeah. Jay and Silent Bob's groovy cartoon movie I have not seen, but he didn't direct that. Tusk. Mm. (laughs) Yoga Hosers. And then Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Now, Killory was here, was that horror anthology did, but he sold it as an NFT. Okay. So I don't even not sure if it's available anywhere for anybody to see yet. Okay. Don't get me started on that bullshit. Uh, So, yeah. It's been a long time, and I'd say after the uh, half-baked, <laughs> <laughs> got him, pot joke, <laughs> ah, you know, the of of reboot. Uh, this was a very pleasant surprise. Um, I'm shocked at how successful he was at pulling this off. Now, some of it works purely on a nostalgia level. Mm-hmm. I think there is a degree uh, of this film that you have to be familiar with the characters to really sit and enjoy it. But there are some, and I'll say too, there's even some straight clips from Clerks in this film, right, where they replay it. And then I think there's also some times where they lovingly reenact those scenes as well because they're making this movie now. Yeah. But it works. It works. Does it work as a standalone film if you were walking into this cold? Mm. Eh, I think the humor is there for that. Maybe it would inspire you to explore more into the view of Skew Universe. But it is laugh out loud funny at times. And I think it comes damn close to recapturing the excitement and irreverence. And that just feel that you're watching something special again that we haven't seen from him in a very long time that you're seeing something you shouldn't be watching maybe even you know and as i said i think it's the best thing he's done in years and i want to particularly praise brian o'halloran as dante who gives the performance of his life i think that he is fantastic in this jeff anderson too he has come a long way from those line deliveries from clerks (laughs) let me tell you but um great great stuff I'm going to talk more about the convenience tour, which is what I saw it on Sunday night. Smith was here in Tampa with Brian O'Halloran, and he introed the movie, then they had a Q&A afterwards, and I'm going to dig into all that. You'll hear, you can hear that Monday on the Screen Run feed. Uh, the Lady Juan and I are reuniting to do a Clerks 3 convenience tour episode, and then from there, 
two weeks later, you will have our first episode of season three. Oh, we finally. We're rolling on that. Finally. So, you can hear all about the tour there. I will say this, because Smith brought this up at the convenience tour, and I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, Matt. If O'Halloran was in a wider film, a more traditional studio film, that his performance could potentially be award-worthy for some festivals. Mm-hmm. Maybe Independent Spear Awards. I don't know if I want to go Oscars, but I don't know. What do you think? Is O'Halloran really that good? Because I'm, I'm thinking he may very well be in this movie. Yeah, I think... So he's got flashes of his old performance because that's really what they call for it. Because essentially... Like you said, this conceit is they're making the original clerks, right? They're basically just creating the film that you saw. So a lot of his deliveries and stuff are kind of like he did in the first go-round. But he has several emotional gut-punch moments that he just sells the hell out of. And yeah, I could definitely see him winning an independent spirit. Hell, maybe even a SAG award or something. Like, I think he's mm-hmm. really that good in a lot of... In a lot of in a lot of scenes, and I, I think he would certainly deserve it. Um, I don't know if he will, but he, he would certainly uh, deserve it. Yeah, that the reenactment of the salsa shark mm-hmm. scene is, like I said, it's the most powerful thing he's ever done. And mm-hmm. it really, it's fantastic. So, good for you, Dante. And I also want to say, cameos up the dupa <laughs> in this one. They, they have a great little moment where they're casting for the movie mm-hmm. and basically almost everybody and new people that you haven't seen before show up to play certain roles. Danny Trejo shows up. Ethan Suppley is there. Melissa, was it Melissa Benoit who played uh, Supergirl? Yep. I mean, just tons of people. And of course, Ben Affleck does his obligatory pop-up. No, no shout-out? John, I believe. <laughs> no shout-out to Sarah Michelle Gellar? That's true. Yep. And then Freddie Prinze mm-hmm. Jr. too. Yep. As Absolutely. himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, lots of people show up. And I love, too, Amy Sedaris, who plays the doctor who operates on yeah. uh, Randall. Yeah. I adore her. <laughs> she she is was funny. great in this. Yeah. So. But you know I'm what? Tell you, folks. Yeah. No, no Jason Lee? Is he like a. Is he. Do we hate Jason Lee now? Nope, nope. He said at the convenience tour that Lee just wasn't available. He was doing something else, and they couldn't get him to show oh, okay. up in time. And no Joy, Joey Lauren Adams either. No, I don't. They didn't mention that at all. Well, I don't. I don't they know didn't use a date. Maybe it was not a good breakup. They were. There. Yeah, they yeah. did date at one point. Though he said in other stuff that their relationship is fine. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, they said at the convenience tour that she that he that Jason Lee just wasn't available. At the time. They bad. couldn't get the scheduling to work. Yeah. So. Good times. Matt, B+, plus, Clerks 3. You know what? Great minds think alike. I'm also giving it a B+. Plus. And you know what? I'm going to buy it. I'm going to go ahead As and add this to, into this collection. Yep. You can pre-order the Blu-ray now. Pretty damn cheap, too. I think it's like 12 bucks. Yeah, I just checked. It's it's 15 on Amazon right now. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty good. I was kind of stalking the view askew site to see if it was going to show up there maybe get an autograph copy copy for like 30 bucks yeah. i'd probably pull the trigger on that mm-hmm. but then um, you wouldn't be able to watch it you'd have to go buy another one that's what to watch no it. i would open no they'd sign the thing they wouldn't sign the cellophane oh, they wouldn't find well no they don't sign the disc they sign the, the case yeah the case usually okay yeah. all right there you go so and they um i think they're selling a, a clerks 2 blu-ray on the site too that's autograph for 30 i may do that because i just have it on dvd right 
Me too. And I wouldn't mind upgrading that. So, but the Clerks Two is available again on Amazon as well for like fifteen bucks. So nice. you could always, or I think it's twelve ninety nine actually. Yeah. So that might be worth pulling the trigger on. Um, still no news on Dogma. Supposedly, he said at some other event that Dogma is being held hostage by the Weinstein, and he won't let it go. Bastard. Man, something's up with that guy. I don't know if I like him at all. Should have looked into him. He's he's gives me a weird feeling. Something <laughs> yeah. no good. Bad guy, that Weinstein. Voted to see Clerks 3. It is available to uh, stream and rent right now. And Smith is still doing the convenience tour. I think they have like 15 more stops. So check his website. He may be near you. Uh, yeah, shoot us an email. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. So excited that that was actually good. That was... Uh, Quite the relief for me. <laughs> All right, Matt. Let's talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, November 1st. November 1st. October's over. We're barreling into the holidays. But, Matt, let's start off with possibly the best film. I'd say at least the most popular film of 2022. Good morning. The F-18 Natops. Contains everything they want you to know about your aircraft. I'm assuming you know the book inside and out. Damn right. Yeah. Damn straight. You got it. So does your enemy. And we're off. But what the enemy doesn't know is your limits. I intend to find them. Test them push beyond. Today we'll start with what you only think you know. Show me what you're made of. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, folks. Top Gun Maverick is coming out on 4K. The uh, reviews are out, and they're saying, Matt, this is reference quality stuff. This wow. release. The Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos audio track. If you want like a test film, you can't go wrong with Maverick. You can get a steel book as well. It was a pretty sweet looking cover. Walmart has an interchangeable art steel book. I don't quite get that one. And there is also going to be a four pack, I should excuse me, a two pack in 4K. So if you don't have TG, the OG in 4K, you can buy a two pack of both films together. So I thought this already came out on 4K. This has not been released yet on 4K or is this just a better version that's coming out? My understanding is that it's only been digitally released in 4K okay. and that gotcha. the actual physical disc isn't out until uh, actually technically October 31st, not November okay. 1st. Okay. So you can pick that up then. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. It happens. We have to fire another intern. <laughs> uh, a bunch of making of featurettes as well. I'm still trying to figure out the conceit of the film because the way the whole thing works, I feel like the drones would have been the ideal device to use considering mm -hmm. all the obstacles. I don't, still don't quite understand that. But still, right. whatever. Also coming up physical media, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, includes an alternate opening, deleted scenes, and a gag reel. Underwhelming, Matt, I guess is what we could yeah, say. Right I would say that that's one. true. Mm -hmm. And I think it's streaming on Peacock right now as well, if you're a fan. Uh, Javier Bardem stars in The Good Boss, awaiting a visit by a committee that would give his company an award for excellence. The owner of an industrial scales manufacturing business tries to resolve any problems from his workers in enough time. Strand is putting out Peter Von Kant, which is based on the Rainer Werner Fassbender classic, The Bitter Tears of Petra Von Kant. 
It's kind of a readaption of that one. Shout Factory is putting out Summer Ghost. Tamahoya, Oi, and Rio are high school students who've met online, Matt. An urban legend speaks of a summer ghost, a spirit girl who appears when fireworks are set off. Includes the original Japanese and English audio tracks, a uh, To You Before Dawn documentary, and a feature animatic of the uh, film. IFC is releasing the Austrian movie Rubicon. It's 2056. Following a catastrophe on Earth, the plane is covered in a toxic fog. The crew of the space station must decide whether to risk their lives to get home in search for survivors or stay safe in the station's algae symbiosis system. Capital Motion Pictures is putting out the end of all things. Three survivors work together to stay alive in a post-apocalyptic world until one discovers a mysterious relic that will change their lives forever. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is putting out Daisies. The Czechoslovakian film gets a brand new 4K restoration. It's about the misadventures of two brash young ladies believing that the world to be spoiled. They embark on a series of pranks in which nothing, food, clothes, men, or war, is taken seriously. Features audio commentary by film scholars Daniel Bird and Peter Hames. Interview with film programmer Irina Kavarova. A documentary from 2002 about the director, Vera Chitilova. Wow. First time I read that and I think I nailed it. And uh, two short films by Chitilova as well, A Bag Full of Fleas and Ceiling. Sandpiper is putting out the 1993 film Dream Lover. This is a James Spader Madsen Amick film. I remember seeing this in the video store many times, and I never watched it. Now's my big chance. Now, I want to tell you, 4K is booming. Criterion is putting out In the Mood for Love, Wong Kar Wai's film in 4K. Includes a 4K disc and then a Blu-ray as well that has all the special features on it. A documentary from 2001 about Wong Kar Wai chronicling the making of the film. Uh, Yu Yang D Nan Yu is a short film by Wong from 2000 that's included in here. Some deleted scenes and more. E.T. the 40th anniversary edition is being released in 4K. Matt, if you buy it from Amazon, you can get it with a thermos, an E.T. thermos, old school. Wow. Target has a steel book. Walmart has a bendy E.T. figure. Includes a brand new featurette. 40 years of E.T. and all new retrospective of the film and its lasting legacy. As well as a TCM Classic Film Festival. An evening with Steven Spielbergo, the acclaimed director, reflects on his career and the making of E.T. 40 years later. Includes some deleted scenes and a bunch of other featurettes. I have never owned E.T. on physical media. No? No. What about you? I have it on DVD. Uh, it was one of the earlier ones I bought during the DVD buying craze. I enjoy E.T. It holds up. It's really good. I have not watched it since probably I watched it on like Spotlight or HBO mm. as a kid. It's been a very long time. You look. And uh, I may, if this hits the right price. I almost bought it on Blu-ray like two years ago because it was like $5 on like Black Friday. But yeah, I'm like, well, well. You should have. I mean, when the John Williams music swells as Elliot is going across the moon, mm-hmm. like that's it. It's all over. You're gonna be. You're gonna be right in there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, well, it gets us for. I don't know, man. That thermos looks pretty sweet, but I'll never use it. Doesn't matter. Put it on your shelf as like a as a little piece of movie memorabilia. I don't want some high school kids beating me up and taking my lunch money. <laughs> Uh, Evil Dead 1 and 2 in 4K in a two-pack. You can buy them both individually mm-hmm. for like 10 bucks each, or you can buy them both for 15 Oh, uh, well, I get you. I may finally pull the trigger on that. The 4K trains are supposed to be pretty good. Okay. Scream Factory is putting out 
Piranha in 4K. This is the uh, cult classic. It gets a brand new 4K restoration of the film from the original camera negative. Audio commentaries, and then on the disc two, which is the just a Blu-ray, you get a new interview with the director Joe Dante. Some behind-the-scenes featurettes, bloopers, and outtakes, and more. Also includes some additional scenes from the TV version. So yeah, I haven't seen Piranha in a long time. I don't know if that sucker holds up. I doubt it. I, I sincerely doubt it. Fair enough. Uh, also, two Steelbook releases in 4K. Arnold Schwarzenegger's The Running Man, mm-hmm. which is at both times awesome and incredibly cheesy. Mm-hmm. And Starship Troopers gets a 4K Steelbook as well. Same thing. Wow, you could use the same descriptors. You absolutely could. <laughs> uh, I guess it's November, so I guess it's time, Matt. Christmas movies coming out in 4K. Holiday Inn from 1942 gets a brand new 4K restoration. Audio commentary by film historian Ken Barnes, including archival audio comments from Fred Astaire, Bing Crosby, and John Scott Schroeder. A featurette on the songs and dancing as well. Now, I'm going to mention a couple things here. I'm gonna, I want to warn you that I have not found any information about this. So National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and A Christmas Story are being released in 4K. I have not been able to find any information if these are brand new 4K transfers. Okay. I think there's a very good chance they're just upscales. Yep. So you are warned. Basically, proceed with caution. Do your own research. Do your own due diligence before you pull the trigger on Christmas Vacation and A Christmas Story. And then finally, in 4K, three classic Christmas stories, animated cartoons are being released in a one set. And it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. The um, animated classics are being released in 4K as a box set. Again, same thing. I can't find anything about the transfers. I can't imagine. I don't I don't understand. I can't see how they could possibly look better than a Blu-ray transfer on right. these. Right. Considering the age and how yeah. the technology at the time. So, but we want to let you know. Matt, your street DVD pick of the week. Holidays are coming up. We'll be doing our... Um, Gift guide for movies lo- movie lovers, well, like three weeks, right? Wow. It's that time of year again already, huh? Yeah, we'll have to see if we have any special visits again, which is no. always Matt's favorite part of the show. It is it's something I look forward to every year. What I love about <laughs> it is that you always forget every I do. year. I do. <laughs> what happens. I do. Straight to DVD pick of the week, Matt. I'm going to go with the Sharknado Complete Collection. Not only do you get Sharknado, Matt. Mm. You get Sharknado 2, the second one. Sharknado 3, oh, hell no. Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens. Sharknado 5, Global Swarming. And then the last Sharknado. It's about time. <laughs> what should we be streaming this week? All right. Our boy Mike Flanagan is back at it again. This is the guy who brought you Oculus, Doctor Sleep, Midnight Mass, The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix with his latest uh, series for Netflix called The Midnight Club. Now, this is a show about uh, a group of terminally ill teens who are living in a private hospice and they get up at midnight to tell themselves ghost stories but there are there ghost stories bringing real ghosts to life in the confines of the mansion in which they live it is a, a pretty fun show it's much more younger skewing um so if you have an, an older teen like an older child like maybe young teen this is something you could watch with them and it wouldn't freak them out too much they would probably enjoy it it's got a very much of a slightly more adult vibe of like uh you know are you afraid of the dark type thing so it's it's fun oh good i that the gimel del toro series i think drops this weekend too it's already out i have not watched one yet though 
Oh, I gotta watch that. No, I, I did finish She-Hulk. What'd you think? Great. Yeah. Probably my favorite MCU show. I don't know about that. I really enjoyed She-Hulk, and I really got annoyed at all the criticism. I'm still on the fence on how I feel about the finale, <laughs> but oh, other great. than that, I don't. I felt it felt kind of rushed to me. It felt a little mm-hmm. like they were trying to stuff too much in there, and maybe a little bit too winking for its own good. But I still enjoyed it overall. I thought I thought it was a lot of fun, and I have no issues with the interpretation or use of Daredevil in this. No, I enjoyed absolutely it. not. And then. If you, if you haven't read Mark Wade's Daredevil run, mm-hmm. when he tries to bring some light and humor into Daredevil, I think he did it for a couple of years. Um, that's when I, I exited comics for a while and I came back in for like a year or so. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. And that yeah. his, that his that's kind of the version of Daredevil that's in this. And I'm curious to see what they're going to do next year with the uh, new show. You know what? I'll be on board. I hope that he just comes in with that famous panel where he comes into a Christmas party wearing a sweatshirt, a Christmas sweater that says, I'm not Daredevil. That is, that is, if they can pull that off, I would be so happy. I'm confident because Walters, Jennifer Walters or Tatiana Maslany is supposedly in that show. Okay. So I'm hopeful they're going to continue that in some capacity. Good times. Matt, all right, briefly, we got some uh, email I want to check in with. Uh, Superfan Sean saw Halloween ends and he wanted to share his thoughts. Okay. So he goes, okay, so I'm sorry, but I hated it. Literally nothing worked for me. The ideas are super underdeveloped and at times down at ridiculous even. It really doesn't even have any good kills. Like one. Honestly, I don't even care for the other two movies in this trilogy. But they had good kills at least. The OG Halloween is tied for my favorite horror film of all time with The Shining and The Thing. Can't go wrong there. But it's such a garbage fire of a franchise. (laughs) He's right about that. In fact, Jason at Binge Movies did a post. uh, He did a a, a poll. And he had Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street in Halloween and like what was your favorite franchise out of those three I think clearly it's Friday the 13th mm-hmm. hands down because even though Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street the first films are better than any Friday the 13th film yes I will concede that yeah that point afterwards going forward there's nothing in the Friday the 13th franchise that's as bad as some of the sequels in Nightmare and Halloween nothing True. So True. consistency wise, I go Friday the Thirteenth. Where would you go with that? Yeah, I mean, I I I was never a big fan of the Friday the Thirteenth series, but I, I I agree with you. It like it gives you cheese from date from shot one, and it just sticks with that cheese all throughout. So you know what you're getting in it. I would argue that I would still think because Nightmare on Elm Street is is one of the best horror movies of all time. New Nightmare is still really good, so I think. Those yeah. two kind of elevate it. I still think New Nightmare is better than any of the Friday the 13th sequels. Uh. <sighs> you know what? I'll tell you what, Chris. I need to sit down. I don't think I've seen every Friday the 13th movie. I, I guess I'll have to sit down and watch them all. Because I don't I don't see what the big deal is. But Halloween is just a dumpster fire of a, of a franchise. Well, maybe we should figure that out. Maybe we can do a... If we, we've been threatening to do a Patreon, maybe we can do a Friday the 13th run. Should we should we really torture ourselves and do a run of all three for one season each, and we declare a definitive winner at the end? Oh, good God! I guess we could. Yeah. Dear God, I don't know if I want to. All right, we could try. But I mean, we That's could space lot. it out. It's not all at once. You would do one season, then another season, then another. Oh, absolutely! Season. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. 
I have the box set. In fact, I just watched Jason Lives last night when I was doing dishes. Of course you did. <laughs> and I love that film. It is so cheesy, but so much fun. Mm. That's the kind of one where they kind of weigh into the comedy a little bit. Yeah. And uh, it's 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 the one where they have the James Bond opening where Jason walks. <laughs> does the uh, that's a fun one. Okay. Where are we? Oh. Sean says also he's a fellow Halloween 3 lover as well. Mm. Oh, mm. I know there's a reason why I like them. He'd love to get one of those masks and he thinks someone is making them, but I bet they're super expensive. They are. You can buy them. I can't remember the site now. Damn it. But they did make them for a while. Mm. But they were, he's right, they were pretty pricey. I'm sure you could find it on Etsy for half the price. Maybe. But he said, anyway, love the show. Keep up the great work. Not good work. Great work. Thanks, Sean. You make it all worthwhile. Thanks, buddy. We do appreciate it. And he did tell me, too, in a previous email that I missed because I think I was dealing with hurricane stuff. Uh, he saw the kid stays in the picture, which he said it was really great, and said that Gattaca is great and I have to watch it, which I still have not done. Yeah. Because I watched Jason Lives. Yeah, because you got to watch Jason Lives for the thousandth time. <laughs> <laughs> you got to buy right, You got to buy Evil Dead. You said you're going to pull the trigger again. Buy Evil Dead 2 yet again, even though you've got like seven copies sitting in you your house do- right now. You want to see something really stupid? Mm-hmm. So I bought... So when Amazon had its big sale, right? The pre-sale, whatever it was, I bought The Northman on 4K. Oh. So it was like 12 bucks. Okay. And I bought The Fog. Matt, I'm showing it to you right now. Mm-hmm. I pulled the trigger on The Fog because I get down to like 27, not 27 bucks. I'm like, all right, that's fine. And then four days ago, I pulled the trigger because Escape from New York on 4k okay. was at like eight bucks off mm-hmm. so i upgraded that and because it was only 22 dollars, i bought the fog forgetting <laughs> that i had bought it three weeks before oh my god chris chris so I'm listen to money bags over here 22 dollars is, 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 is his cutoff point <laughs> so i'm returning the 28 dollar the fog mm-hmm. so i got makes it on sense. amazon makes so. sense yeah i mean my my uh I bought Halloween 2018 on 4K when Amazon was blowing them out for seven dollars. Yeah, just like last week. Yeah, it's actually like seven bucks too right now. Again, you're oh, totally right about that. Yeah. yeah, it's super cheap. I bought it. I think it. I think I bought it at like nine or ten. Yeah. So I don't feel too bad about that. Yeah. But I've been eyeing uh, X at ten dollars on Blu-ray. <laughs> I have been. But it's the problem is I don't know if they're going to put out a 4K of that. So. Right. That's the thing. Point. I always hold out for the 4K. I don't buy Blu-rays for the most part, unless it's like super cheap. So yeah, I don't know. But Highlander's coming out soon. Eighteen dollars for the 4K right now. I'm, I may pull the trigger on that. I because it's not going to be that cheap again for a while. Mm-hmm. So and I do love Highlander, and I have not owned Highlander on anything. I think, I was the last. Thing? I think I've only had it on VHS. Mm, such a weird movie, man. You got a Frenchman playing a Scotsman, not even trying to hide his accent. Then you have a Scotsman playing a Spaniard, also not trying to hide his accent. So weird. Such a weird Good stuff. <laughs> and then finally, I tweeted it out, and it may be over by the time we show posts, so sorry. But St. Maud, it's five bucks on Amazon, right? Really? Now. I should People, buy that. Yeah. I bought it when it was like $7.99 at Target. But uh, $5 is a steal for mm. St. Maud. If you haven't seen it, Blind buy. If you hate it, Matt will refund you. <laughs> Running You're along, Max. We've almost eclipsed an hour. We still have half a show to do. Let's talk about Wolfin. Wolfin. <laughs> 
Adventures presents Wolfen. For centuries, they have been hiding in the rubble of your cities. The concealed threat. The invisible terror. Chris! They can sense the rhythm of your blood. Hear clouds pass overhead. See where you are blind. A force so deadly, it will tear the screen from your throat. Wherever you are, they are. Ooh, that sounds scary. I love those old school trailers, man. That's mm-hmm. just so much fun. <laughs> so, Matt, I guess we're coming back around again because we're three films in. What is Wolfen all about? And so- is it a werewolf movie? So I'll bury the no, it's not. I won't bury the lead. It is not a werewolf movie. Um, I think I can make an argument that it is, but continue. Um, well, Chris, I if you have to make an argument on whether something is a werewolf movie, one of the most simple monsters out there, I think we can safely say it's not. Anyway, coward. There are a series of murders in the cesspit that is late seventies, early eighties New York, and. Albert Finney is a grizzled detective who's seen it all, who has to investigate these horrible yeah. murders of that are just like people being savaged by almost what looks like a wild animal. And as his investigation takes him deeper and deeper, he gets involved with Native Americans at the problematically named Wigwam Club, and he discovers <laughs> that there may be something supernatural to this <laughs> to this murders. So. Would you call them werewolf or wolf ghosts? They're spirits, in yeah. a way. So right. here's the thing. I think the film goes to great effort to try and connect the Native American population mm-hmm. with wolves mm-hmm. and how their souls can kind of combine or mm-hmm. switch sure. to where the Native American gentleman becomes the wolf. Hence, a werewolf. That's the argument I'm going to make. I think it goes to great lengths to do that, Matt. Mm -hmm. So are they werewolves? I think that the spirit of the Native Americans who share this common ancestral link, because they're both basically hunted to extinction Mm -hmm. in these metropolitan areas, basically, right? And that's what this film's trying to tell us here, right? It's making these kind of grand sweeping statements about not just the genocide of a people and a species of animal, but gentrification urban blight it's got a lot to say about that all wrapped up in this kind of police procedural thriller the problem is i don't know how successful it is at all of those things or any of them (laughs) what do you think yeah i mean all of its ideas are interesting but they're all horribly half-baked and they're all fighting for screen time against each other and the the end result is is just not great. There are things I do like about this. I think like some of the kills early on are significantly, dare I say, almost artistic in the way that they're shot. I think they're pretty creepy. I think they're kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Albert Finney, before he wears out his welcome, kind of sells Whoa. this. Whoa! <laughs> Shots this, fired! What are you this, talking about? I mean, he's he is kind of the quintessential you know, 70s New York cop. He's always eating for some reason, no matter what he's looking at. Um, I I don't know. He just seems like a caricature of that type of character in this. 
Not a fan. That's Matt, and I don't, uh, I don't, I don't ever appreciate it. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, Matt. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I finally worked it in. Now I will say I this. I think you're wrong. You think I'm wrong. I, All right. I mean, I, I will think, say this. I, okay. I just want to point out. I did read this book before I watched I this movie did. when I was a kid. The book is about the wolfen are like a cryptid. They're like hyper intelligent wolves with uh, with like prehensile hands and stuff, but they're like a Bigfoot type of thing. They're like like a, a, a mythical monster. Whereas the whole spirit Native American angle, it's not there at all. It's not in there at all. Okay, now see, I was going to be a gentleman and not call you out on that because last week when we talked about this in mm-hmm. the, in the uh, wrap up, you said they're genetically engineered or altered. That was my. I was getting him confused between the film and the book. In the book, yeah. All right, because then I'm watching this movie. I'm like, Matt's an idiot. This is <laughs> well, because true. I went into this thinking that what it, what it was going to be then, because you had poisoned my mind like you usually do, that it was the rich corporation guy mm-hmm. had introduced these genetically engineered wolves to take out all the homeless and all the poor people yeah. so they could go in and rebuild the city like RoboCop style. Yeah. And uh, I was, I don't know if I was pleasantly surprised and also disappointed that that wasn't the case. Because again, I think it would have honed in and made the whole gentrification, urban blight thing a little more central to the plot than it is. And here everything kind of feels... A little too loosey goosey mm-hmm. for me with all mm-hmm. this stuff. I mean, never they never do a good enough job of tying in all of its big themes, except outside of I think the Native American spirit swapping type of thing with the wolves. I think that happens, especially since at the end of the film, the wolves kind of just disappear, mm-hmm. right? They kind of dissolve into the ether type of thing, and they do a very focused job of Edward James almost and Edward James is almost. Uh, <laughs> Showing up at one point too, mimicking a wolf mm-hmm. as his people are connected to it so closely, so much. So I, I yeah, I don't know. I think what's interesting is that hmm, I think there's a lot of interesting things here. A, they shot it in the Bronx. I don't know if you know that at the mm-hmm. time. Let's show you how bad the Bronx used to be. Yeah. And but they did build that church, so they okay. did build and burn the church to okay. have it look like the way it did. But the rest of that stuff is all legit and is there. There's a couple of technical things I think is fa- are fascinating. This is supposed to be the first film that includes that uh, view from the creature with the the in-camera effect of the wolf's point of view with the vision that is okay. clearly aped, copied, or lovingly homaged by John McTiernan in Predator. Sure. Right? So you know that Predator vision? That yeah. And you see that. That is... The first time that happened was in Wolf. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. And I want to say, too, this film starts, Matt, it opens. And a couple minutes in, and I'm like, oh, cool. This score kind of reminds me, like, textually of, like, a, a, a James Horner score. Like, I'm listening to it. I'm hearing, I'm hearing Star Trek two. I'm hearing a little bit of Aliens. And then I see James Horner. I'm, oh, okay. Let me tell you, nobody borrowed more from James Horner than James Horner. <laughs> hey, you know what? Fair. Like the, 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 the surprise attack theme from Star Trek Two mm-hmm. with the clapping that, that that's in Wolfen. Yeah. There's some string pieces that are clearly in aliens. Yeah. I mean there there is yeah, so but I think still even with that, Horner's score kinda elevates this 
project to me as well. I think it does a great job of capturing the feel of this film. And like you said, I think some of the gore effects and some of the violence in this is pretty damn good. Yeah. When that one guy like gets his hand bitten off and the other guy loses his head. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. So yeah, that's good. What do you, you talked about that. I want to come back to you about Albert Finney. Okay. I think he is endlessly entertaining to watch in this film as the grizzled detective who's back on the case after having some issues personally in his life and hitting the bottle a little bit too much. But also this film has a murderer's row of character actors. So we talk about Diane Venora, who plays the uh, criminal psychologist. She teams up with him. She's great. Edward James Olmos talking about Gregory Hines, Tom Mm -hmm. Noonan, Dick O'Neill. Yep. Lots of great people. And uh, it's a blast. I uh, enjoyed The Wolf and Matt. I did. Did you? Really? You know what? I'm happy for you, Chris. I'm glad you liked it. It's not what I was looking for. Well, yeah. Well, no. It's not the traditional werewolf film I thought we were going to get. But still, I think there's enough here to enjoy. I bought this as part of a Warner Archive four-pack, which included the uh, John Landis um, uh, Innocent Blood, that vampire gangster movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then included also, what am I forgetting? It has, I just had it in my head and I lost it. Abel Ferrara's uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Gabriel mm-hmm. Anwar, which is good. Yeah. And uh, Wolfen, and there's one more. Either way. So I think I paid like 15 bucks for it, so I feel good about that purchase. Nice. Because good. I'm giving Wolfen a B-. I'm going to give it a C plus. I don't think it's as elevated as Chris says, but you know what? As Chris said... I am often an idiot, so I could be completely wrong about True. this. True. But, gentle listeners, Chris always thinks he's right. So one of us is wrong here. And we'll just have to decide which one it is. Have <laughs> yes. you had a chance to see anyone? You want to add anything else about Wolfen? Are you no, good? I'm good. All right. Wolfen is available to stream actually right now as well on the Criterion channel. as part of its 80s horror uh, package. Showcase. Sure. Whatever. You can check that out. There's a couple of good things in there I haven't seen that I want to check out before. Better hurry. Uh, we got a I few know, more days. Time. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Let us know your thoughts, Matt. Let's go ahead. Let's close this behemoth out and talk about our five favorite View Askew characters. Here's the classic. Didn't quite make the cut. I wonder if he's on Matt's list. Hope so, so we're going to ruin some of his fun. Okay, she's my cousin now. I'm going to knock those boots again tonight. Uh, look who it is, the fucking human vacuum. Scumbag, what are you doing? Not to say I saw Bob and his cousin. He's your cousin? Yeah, and he's from Russia, too. No way. What part of Russia? I don't fucking know. Do I look like his fucking biographer? Well, what part of Russia are you from? Moscow. He only speaks Russian? Nah, he speaks some English, but he cannot speak a good like we do. Is he staying here? Nah, he's moving to the big city this week. He wants to be a metal singer. No way. I swear, Olaf, metal. That's his fucking metal face. Olaf, girl, nice. Scarlet Neck. That's fucked up, man. What did he say? I don't know, man, but this guy's a character. He really wants to play metal? Yeah, he's got his own band in Moscow. It's called Fuck Your Yankee Blue Jeans or something like that. That doesn't sound metal. You gotta hear him sing Olaf Berserker. Come on, man, Berserker. Does he sing in English or Russian? In English. Come on, Berserker. Girls think sexy. Ah. I'll watch, but he's going to sing and watch. It's too funny. My love for you is like a truck belzaka. Would you like some making fuck belzaka? <laughs> That's fucking funny, man. Did he say making fuck?
That's right. Olaf gets an honorable mention for me, Matt, as a favorite Kevin Smith yeah. character. Olaf and Fuck You Yankee Blue Jeans is also an honorable <laughs> mention for me. One of the greatest band names of all time, by the way. <laughs> uh, and of course, is from Kevin Smith's first film, Clerks. Watching Clerks 3 and then putting this list together made me really... Even though we did it for screen run, like mm-hmm. I want to watch the movies again, at least a yeah. few of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Clerks, I need to revisit again. It's such a brilliant, funny, funny, funny movie. Matt, I'll go first. I'll give you uh, the ultimate number one. All okay. right. Okay. So my number five is it's Dad. It's Uncle Kevin. It's Silent Bob. I think the uh, foil to Jay, his R two D two to J C three PO, is you know, dispensing the wisdom and the wise advice. Really is um, fascinating. That scene in Chasing Amy when he explains what Chasing mm-hmm. Amy is. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the interactions, though, with Jay throughout the years, you'll love him, the big dumb lug, and uh, always has the uh, right words and wisdom at the right time. But I understand, uh, maybe I'm misremembering this, but the whole reason why he, I guess originally, that scene in Clerks, when he talks about, you know, women and how not everyone makes, makes you lasagna, most of them just cheat on you, Yeah, is uh, was supposed to be Jay's line, but he couldn't get it. Okay. He couldn't nail it. So... So Smith decided to say it himself, and that started the whole thing. Yeah. So Silent Bob's my number five. That's a good one. We'll see if it shows up on my list somewhere. All, um, right. all right. So my number five um, was elevated by his turn in Clerks 3. It's Elias Grover. Starts off as really? the the uh, kind of put-upon Jesus freak who's long-suffering at uh, movies when he has an epiphany. And he elevates himself to a delight in Clark Street, where he becomes a theistic Satanist. And his progressive uh, his progressive costumes are chef's kiss wonderful because they're played completely straight. Nobody acknowledges them at all, but they just keep they just keep getting more and more flamboyant, and it's it's fantastic. Absolutely, no, that is true. That was very funny. Elias was, I think, not. I didn't thought he was okay in Clerks too. Yeah, but you're right. He does go to another level in three so you're right about that my number four then is the star of the clerk series and it's dante brian o'halloran mm-hmm. you know the man who's not supposed to be there today and he still even in that first film where everything's still a little bit clumsy and awkward at times he is still the heart of the series and you just you, it's it's weird how you're able to identify yourself in him at times and just a guy kind of struggling and trying to figure things out, but still at times very funny. So put upon by his best buddy Randall at all times as well. And it's just, he's a fun little character and you always rooting for him. So Dante is my four. All right. So my number four is Alan Rickman slumming it up in Dogma as Metatron, uh, the yeah. voice of God. Um, he really classes up the joint in a film that I think has gotten better with age the more I think about it. I know it wasn't necessarily received super well by uh, you know fans of his other works uh, when it came out, but I think it gets it's done Dogma still has a lot going for it and I think Alan Rickman's turn as the as the long-suffering voice of God uh, is is quite good. Yeah, he was at one point my number 5, but he again ended up getting edged out. But yeah, Metatron uh, Alan Rickman definitely deserves special consideration. Uh, my number three then uh, is the, probably the character that has the best one-liners in the films, and that's it's a Jeff Anderson's Randall. Mm. You know, I think Kevin Smith had originally written that part for himself, but ended up finding uh, uh, 
Anderson, and everything just seemed to make more sense with him playing that role. But he is the guy that has that twisted but honest view of life, and he's able to kind of pick out and expose all the hypocrisies and idiosyncrasies and all the crazy stuff that happens in life uh, while being slightly detached by and removed by it all itself, but totally blind and oblivious to his own failings as well. And I think it's a really interesting kind of deep developed character that he plays that just gets stronger and stronger as Anderson plays him over the years. But in the end, I think still has the funniest lines in any of the films. Mm. So that's why I went with Randall at three. All right. Well, uh, well, my number three then is dad, as you said, is silent Bob much higher on my list. I think uh, Mm. he is this kind of, kind of through line in all of the on all of the films him and jay and i'll be honest with you i find jay can be a little much to take sometimes and i don't always find him as amusing as i think mm-hmm. uh, he thinks he is um, in a lot of the in a lot of the roles but uh overall i think uh kevin smith is silent bob and his little bond months of wisdom at some point uh is is fantastic i think it's just a little thing that you look forward to in all the films and even though that motherfucker won't shut up (laughs) and it may be a bit much for you but jay is my number two there are a few items or movement moments in cinema where things impact you on a very deep level Mm -hmm. where certain 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 circumstances happen certain life events happen certain things and you will repeat a line as that character does as a response to whatever the case may be and i have a few j moments but for me the one that always sticks out to me when anything really weird or crazy happens calls back to the scene in clerks where the woman is talking to randall about the videos and she says have you seen this one oh yeah no that one's garbage right and she's it's the same movies and <laughs> then uh, she's i'm not going to rent here any for anymore and then he walks and he walks out and he tells her to screw up whatever it is and then Jay goes, yeah! And for some reason, his response to that kills me every time. And I, whenever I say that word like that, I am calling back to that exact moment. Because Very it is, good. that is, it's so weird, it's so small, it's so simple. But it's such a brilliant delivery of that line. The timing of it and the tone and inflection. It brings me endless joy. Mm. And uh, Jay is my two. Yes. All right, so my number two then is is Randall. Honestly, the one who had the best lines in Clerks. Uh, obviously, the funny, the funniest, you know, jokes in those films. He is a complete asshole. I don't see why anybody would be friends with him. He seems like that guy that you have in your friend group that you're not sure where he came from or why we're still hanging out with him, but he's there. He's always there, and. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed like he struck a chord, I think, for Mm. 20-year-old me because, you know, you look around and there's always that one Randall in all your friend group. And uh, it's a good time to be around 10% of the time, but the rest of the time you're just wondering why he's there. Is that me? Are you trying to tell me something? No, no. It's obviously not me, Chris. Except for when you're yelling at me in bowling. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My number one, then, is probably, I don't know. This is just clearly a nostalgia pick for me but it's because at one point chasing amy was my favorite film mm-hmm. i identified with ben affleck as holden more than any character i had at that point looking back now as an older mature adult i see how insane and stupid that was <laughs> but affleck's holden is probably my favorite view askew character because 
it was such an interesting and important time in my life as I was growing and developing and maturing uh, to identify with a character like that. I had a similar, though I wasn't dating a lesbian, I had a <laughs> similar kind of issues in, in romantic relationships sure. and the like. So I don't know. It just I always connected with Affleck as Holden, so he's my number one. All right. Well, my number one is the man himself, uh, Dante Hicks. I wouldn't, if you had asked me before Clerks 3 had come out, I probably wouldn't have put him this high on the list. But Mm. I think if you look at it as the journey of where he's this kind of listless 20 year old or, you know, early 20s something where he moves into he's working at movies and he's still kind of feels like he's wasting his life and he's finally starting to get himself put together. And then, well, he's now what? 40s 50s and he's basically still doing the same shit and he's still doing the best that he can and hanging out with the same guys and there's something oddly poetic and sad but comforting at the same time um so i would say dante hicks i think is the is the the muse is the through line of of kevin smith's entire work i think he's basically uh his uh his white whale no, that's that's good. That's a good pick. Any honorable mentions for you? Uh, yeah, Loki and Bartleby from Dogma. Yep. I think are pretty fun. Olaf and Hooper X, which is one of my favorite lines from uh, <laughs> Chasing Amy, is you're trying to tell us the blackest guy in the universe is white underneath, and then Jason Lee stands up. Well, you're not, kind of thing. And it was <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Hooper X and Bartleby and Azrael are on my list. Also, Shane and Hamilton, another Ben Affleck role, mm-hmm. who likes to have sex in uncomfortable places. Back of a walk exactly. <laughs> Alyssa Jones, of course. We're talking about Metatron. Uh, Becky, Rosario Dawson's character. Mm-hmm. Banky as well, who I also identified with a bit because I felt I had more of a sense of humor like Banky does. Right. Then Holden's sense of humor is, is, I think, strong as Banky's is. Kinky Kelly, of course. And then uh, Willem Black and Snowballs. Yeah. Ugh, well, snowball, but I was just yeah. snowballing, which is his <laughs> 37. <Hobby>. Good stuff. <laughs> Who are your favorite View Askew Universe characters? Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. Do you want to hear me and Lady One? And I think Matt shows up in an episode so as well. Talk about Kevin Smith's films. You can uh, check out the first season of Screen Run as well as we go through the entire over, including Yoga Hosers. Matt. What's going on next week? Uh, Well, on the list is Triangle of Sadness. Um, It sounds like we're also going to catch up uh, with Werewolf by Night uh, on Disney Plus and then close out our marathon with The Howling. Nice. That'll be a good one, Matt. In the meantime, folks, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Uh, Give us a review. It'll help other people find the show check us out at thefirstrun.com you can see the report card and an archive of all of the shows ever and more in the meantime do us all a big favor take care of yourselves we love you very much and we'll see you soon take care Here is Sub-Zero, now Plane Zero.